that need our prayer. So, so Christine, I'm not sure she may can tell you how long she has been a missionary on behalf of Faith Baptist Church. And I say that on behalf of Faith Baptist Church. It is on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's your calling. And I understand it, but I said on behalf of Faith Baptist Church because she goes to the Ivory Coast of West Africa, so I don't have to. Thank you very much. Um, every, you know, everybody, everybody's got that calling. Very thankful that you have yours, and I'd be very thankful if it was mine, but since it's not, I'm very thankful that it's not. But it, it is a, an absolute thrill to, to have Miss Christine here with us tonight, and if you don't mind, she's going to come on up and share a little bit about her ministry and what all God's doing there. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Pastor. God bless. Thanks. <laughs> well, good evening. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to, to well, thank you for welcoming me so warmly back to your church. It's been several years since I've been here, and um, I think of y'all, I pray for y'all in the field. I always thought if y'all if y'all support us, pray for us, we should also, also pray for our friends in the States. And so um, I just want to share, too, maybe, maybe y'all have already heard this story, but just hearing the music tonight was such a blessing to me. And uh, there's a true story happening in Africa about a missionary, and he was starting a young work in a, in a village, and that there was an older lady who came and got saved. She got saved. She walked for several miles to get saved. And then she returned back to her house, but she couldn't remember um, his name. She couldn't remember the name of Jesus. So she walked all the way back to the mission station again, doing the miles again, just, just so, so she could know his name. And so it's true. His name is so precious to all of us. And <clears throat> I just love that music tonight. And also, I want to thank you all for your flags. Whenever you come into a church and you see your flag up as a missionary, you just feel so welcome. So my flag is the orange, white, and green one right over here. That's Ivory Coast. So thank you for your heart for missions. That just makes you feel loved when you walk into church and get to see your flag up. But you, you all have supported me for the whole 15 years that, that I've been in Ivory Coast. And then I'm sure for a few years before that, as I was raising support on deputation, and then as I was in France during language school, and I was thinking about that. I've had this date on my calendar for uh, at least a couple of months, have been praying toward it, looking, to, looking forward to, to seeing you all again. And just thinking about all those years of you all just faithfully praying for me, supporting me, and I don't know if I have words, really, to thank a church that's been there with me all of these years on the field, but just please know that I am sincerely and just deeply grateful. So I did uh, grow up in a Christian home with godly parents. Um, I, it was during my teen years, though, that I really began to grow in the Lord, and during that time, the Lord started to tug my heart toward missions. And, but, but, but I remember that I come from a very shy family, very quiet family, and so I told the Lord... I don't know a lot about missionaries, but I think they have to talk in front of people. <laughs> so I told the Lord that I thought he was calling the wrong girl. But the Lord just tells all of us just to trust him and to just keep going forward. And really, my tes testimony has been the Lord has really done the whole thing on the mission field. And so um, my mom is a nurse, so I thought I'd always become a nurse like her. Uh, but then when I was 17, we had a missionary come to visit my home church in Pensacola, Florida, and he shared how there were many, many unreached villages still today. And as a teenager, I'd never heard that before about unreached villages. And I guess I couldn't get past the fact that I'd heard about salvation over and over again, so many Sundays in church growing up, and that there are people that hadn't heard that yet. 
um, the Lord just convicted me that I needed to be a missionary. And so I started to think of nursing as a tool to use on the mission field. And, and then went became a nurse, then a nurse practitioner. And it's been a blessing to see through the years how the Lord can take an unreached people group and soften their hearts through medical care and then bring them to, bring them to salvation in Christ. So um, I'm working in Southern Ivory Coast with a church planning family with missionaries Bob and Becky Mack. And we're working with a people group known as the Abrié. And if you look them up, if you Google them at all, what you'll find is that the Abrié are known to be one of the most closed groups in that part of the country. They're just they're, they're just kind of wary about outsiders coming into their villages, having a lot of contact with outsiders. But that's where the Lord planted us. And there's 12 Abrié villages right where we are. And so we went to these villages, started the early steps of soul winning, handing out tracts, talking to people about the Lord, and we even started to construct a church right outside of one of the villages, but the villagers took it all apart. And so we as missionaries stepped back, and this is like a lot of those prayers you pray, you don't know how God's going to answer. And so the Lord gave us the idea of going in with medical care. So these villages have chiefs, just like what you think of in Africa. We went in and asked, well, could we care for your people when they're sick? And since day one, the chiefs have always allowed us to do that. And so really it was the Lord who knew how to reach the people. And God has been so good these last 15 years on the field. But a lot of times people ask, why does medical missions even work in Africa? Why does that work? And I guess what we've learned through the years is that traditional tribal beliefs play a real part in our people's daily lives. And those beliefs really conflict with the gospel. However, there's such a great need for medical care that chiefs will open the village doors if you can go in and provide medicine. And so that just becomes a real inroad for us as missionaries. And so I guess I, um, I believe personally that medical missions is one of the best ways to take the gospel to difficult entry countries, especially in the third world. And so but people say, how, how does this even work? And so um, in our ministry, the, the, the main church plant was started in 2000. So it's been there for 23 years. It runs about 250, 300 people on a Sunday morning. So it's pretty well developed. As a part of that church plant, we, there is an institute. And so about 25 men are being trained for the ministry under missionary Bob Mack. And as they feel called to go to an unreached place, an unreached people group, an unreached village, then a lot of times they'll ask us to bring a medical team. And so really, I'm the only medical missionary that's full-time in our ministry. So we have we coordinate teams of doctors, nurses, um, nurse practitioners, and PAs who, who fly in to help us. And so we'll have teams come and join us. And then we'll go to this village, and we'll set up what we like to call a medical day. And it is very hot, so we bring in large tents. We set up tents, kind of like circus tents. And we always pray. We always pray, Lord, send us people with hearts of that good ground, people who are looking for the truth. And, and I, what I love about medical missions is it really is like a magnet. You go to the village, and everybody is going to come. I mean, it's like you're bringing the circus to the village. So they're going to come whether they're sick or not. But you see them walking toward you as a missionary. But I guess what really thrills your heart is that you know they're all going to hear the gospel. And so we have open-air preaching in the waiting areas. Then they come through. We treat them for malaria, typhoid fever, parasites, maybe a machete cut. And then we have a second waiting area, and that's where the 
one-on-one um, -on -one gospel presentation takes place. And so that's where our nationals who've been trained sit down and they share the gospel one-on-one. -on -one. And they also, during that time, fill out what, what we call a spiritual questionnaire. And it's just a, a paper that has their name, their phone number, their religious background, and what day is good to visit them. And also, what if they've gotten saved. And my favorite part about the medical days is going back through those questionnaires, seeing who's gotten saved, and because people always do, without a doubt, people always, always get saved off of those, those days. So, and it's amazing. They come to us, and they're saying... I'm Muslim or I'm Catholic, but today I'm, I'm willing to set that aside because today I really just need medical care. And it's amazing how if you can help someone's pain, if you can decrease their pain, how oftentimes they become open to whatever else you might say. So they come to us and their, their hearts are broken, so we give them our hearts. And ministry is realizing that Christ's love really can cover their, their deepest hurts, their deepest pain. I remember one time we had a Muslim lady come to us, and she actually got saved in the evangelism area, but then she didn't want to leave. She just never heard the gospel, so she wanted to hear over and over again about Christ. And then we had an older gentleman come in a different location. He had never been to church. He'd never heard about God, and he prayed and trusted Christ as his Savior. And then actually the very next day, he went to heaven. So, um, and a lot of times it's pretty routine what we see. It's, it's a lot of infectious diseases. The age expectancy is about 55 or so. Um, some people walk for, for miles. We have people walk for six or seven miles to get medical care. Uh, but sometimes you'll see someone walking toward you and they just have this look of hope in their eyes because maybe they have a more severe illness and they've gone from doctor to doctor to doctor and not finding a cure. And so one day we were treating patients in our villages where we live, and a lady came walking toward me with that look of hope in her eyes, and her name was Teresa. And I remember she was 35 years old, because I was 35 at the time, so I really remembered her age. And she said she couldn't lift her arm. And I remember thinking that is so strange for someone in their mid-30s. But she went on to say that, that this had started after a surgery in a poor country called Burkina Faso. And I could see the scar, scar on her arm, and like you all know, I knew that there was nothing we could really do medically for her. She'd had nerve damage, unfortunately, but she was looking for hope. And so the Lord just led us to stop. We stopped consultation, we got a Bible out, and we just shared true hope in Christ. And, and she got saved. She prayed and got saved right at the consultation table. And I remember I put her name on my clipboard because I wanted to go back and visit her right away the next week. But I remember, I, I, I always have a team of people that go with me to the village. I had my village team with me, a group of about eight different nationals. And we went back, and we couldn't find Teresa. And this happens a lot because village paths aren't marked. Um, people say, well, it's around, it's behind that mango tree. You're like, well, which mango tree? <laughs> and so it, it can be hard to find people in the villages. They don't have addresses. And, um, but usually if you ask around enough, you can find somebody. And so we, we asked and asked and asked about Teresa. Finally, there was somebody who said, oh, I know her. And he actually jumped into my SUV and came with us. And that led us to a new village, a village I'd never been to before, a small village in the area. And usually whenever you walk for the first time into a village, people come out because they're curious. And usually they just start bringing chairs out because houses are too small to have a big group inside of a house. So they'll just bring about, they'll bring out like 15, 20 chairs, the plastic chairs that you see in every missionary video, they bring those out. 
And, and I remember we sat down, and one of the men with us just started to share the plan of salvation. And they actually stopped us halfway through because in Ivory Coast, we speak French. French is the national language, but usually the different tribal tribes have their own tribal dialect. And they said, we want to also translate this. So we restarted the whole presentation in French along with, it was the, the Godet people, their Godet dialect. And I'll never forget, at the very end, they had a spokesman, and this is what they said. We found Teresa, and the group accepted the gospel, and they said, We are from the center of the country. For generations, we have worshipped idols that were handed down to us from our ancestors. We have decided now that we want to follow Christ. When Christ is in one's life, he changes the person's life. I personally didn't know that Christ was alive. If there is salvation, it is by him. So we just praise the Lord for that. That, was, that wasn't us. That wasn't me. I mean, you, you meet missionaries, you find out we're really just normal people. But, but God's, God's led us and God's blessed us in ways beyond what we could have ever thought on the mission field. And that's because you all pray for us and support us. And, and I'm just so grateful for that. But really, and in, in, in moving forward, I want to just share with you all, too, some goals, but also this last term. This is last two and a half years on the mission field. We saw 1,895 people trust Christ their Savior. And that was just through these questionnaires. People said, yes, I've trusted Christ my Savior today, 1,895. And you all at your church had a, had a part, you had a real part in each one of those people who've trusted Christ. And you've invested a great deal, and God has blessed that investment. So really, I, mean, I feel like my goal, I, I like to say that I'm really, I'm a missionary who just happens to be a nurse practitioner. I'm a missionary first, and my goal is really just to extend the gospel as much as I can because we don't know how much time we have left before Christ comes back, but we just want to do all we can to reach people with the gospel. And so this last term, we were on two new fields, Bonoa and Tonda. We have two more new fields scheduled for this year. I've, I'm on a six-month furlough, looking forward to going back to Ivory Coast March 15th. Um, but we have two new fields for 2024, and then another one for 25. And, and also, and also what well, we're also... Our goal is to see a church finally started for our villages. For years, we've prayed for a missionary to be called specifically to our villages, and the Lord has provided for that. So we were just able to purchase some, a prime piece of property, and our villages are really excited about finally having a church built for them. So, But people do. They oftentimes ask about needs as I, as I visit churches. And I really am so grateful for that. So um, I remember one time we were in a village, and, and the, the key in my ignition for my SUV actually broke in the ignition. And well, when does that happen? <laughs> that happens when you're trying to reach a new, a new village for Christ. But, but, but the Lord um, gate gave us wisdom. He, we got pliers out. We were still able to turn the key. And so we really do feel those prayers on the field. But also that same SUV later on um, that I lost the engine. We had lost the engine on that. Honestly, in Ivory Coast, we have potholes that are the size of your vehicle. So the roads are pretty tough on vehicles. And so my director said, you probably need to raise money for another vehicle. And so um, I've been saving. I'm close to having the amount. I just need about $2,900 extra to be able to get an SUV when I get back a used vehicle. So pray for me with that. I know God will provide that, just the rest. And, and also, like I shared, I, I really feel like I need a teammate. So I'm praying for 
another medical missionary. We have a lot of pastors who are asking us to come, asking us to come bring medical teams, but we just can't get to all of them. And so just, I know God's just got, got just the right people. So I'm praying for the Lord to also provide another teammate. So I'd appreciate those prayers. Whenever you pray for your missionaries, that really is just the help that we need. So um, continue to pray. The Lord will put a, just a hedge of protection around me that will give us wisdom and strength as we reach people for the Lord. So, you know, medications will expire, but, but, but if we can reach people with the gospel, I mean, that will last for forever. That's what I really want to do. And so um, it's amazing, though, just to share another one more last story, and then we'll share the video, is it's amazing how sometimes the Lord will give you a really special story. And this happened a couple of years ago. I was getting ready for a medical team that was coming, and, um, and I had a small job to do at my house. And so a lot of times, if I, open, if I open my door, there's usually kids playing outside. And so I asked a teenager if he'd help me, and he did. I gave him a Coke and tracks and thanked him, and his name was Oliver. And honestly, I didn't think I was going to see Oliver again. But the very next Sunday, I opened my door to go to church. There was Oliver. He was well-dressed. He had his tracks in his hand. And he said, missionary, I want to go to church with you. And I told him, Oliver, I'd love to have you come to church with me, but I've got to ask your parents. <laughs> so this happened two Sundays in a row. And then at the, at the same, at around the very same time, I was cleaning, and, I, and I, I opened my closet door in my house, and there was a really bad odor. So I started to empty out the closet, empty out the closet. And you know what I saw? I saw a rat's nose. There was a rat inside my closet. And so I, I had one, one trap, one mouse trap. I started to set the trap, and I couldn't catch the rat. I would put food on the, on the trap. I would research, how can I catch this rat? And it was just a really smart rat. He would steal the food and not get caught. And so anyway, and, and, I, and I kept seeing Oliver too. And so finally we set a day to, to meet his family. And so I thought he lived in my neighborhood. Oliver actually lives in a very poor house um, in a field behind my house. So he comes from a Catholic background, just a wooden structure. They've put palm branches on the roof, and then they've taken just black trash bags, cut the black trash bags and tacked it on the sides for some protection from rain. Anyway, we started to walk toward his house, and I asked Oliver what he thought of the tracks. And he surprised me. He quoted the verses from the tracks. Um, but he didn't quite understand salvation yet, so we talked about that. And then I met his family. They, they, they said that he could come, come to church. And then the thought came to my mind. I thought, I need to ask Oliver to help me with this rat. Because, honestly, boys in, in Ivory Coast, don't mind, they don't mind catching rats. They eat rats that they really don't mind catching a rat. And so I, I told Oliver, if, if you'll catch my rat, I'll pay you. <laughs> and I think he skipped back to my house. He was so excited to do that. And so we got back to my house. We opened the closet door. He, 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 he went in. The rat was actually giving birth. It was a mama rat. She was giving birth to eight baby rats. <laughs> so I think God knew. God knew that was the day to catch the rat. And so um, I gave Oliver a machete, and I told him to kill the rat and not to come out until it was dead. Well, Oliver has a tender heart. He said, oh, missionary, this is a mama rat. I just can't kill this mama rat and her family. So I gave him a bucket, and I told him to, to get the whole rat family and move them out <laughs> and not to drop any in my house. Anyway, and so he did. And, and, but you know what? After that, he, he helped me so much that day. After that, Oliver became so faithful. He came to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. He even came to visitation on Saturday. He wasn't even saved yet, but he was looking for love. 
he was just looking for love, and he found a new family. He found love at our church with us. And so um, he kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. And he, Oliver has a gift for memorization. So I gave him a French John and Romans, and, and I would give him a verse. I, I gave him John 3, 16, verses from John. Then we went to Romans. And, and then he would come to me, and he'd say, you know what, missionary? That verse that you gave me is here. And it was so cute. And then, and then, he, then I would give him another one. And then he said he was tired of memorizing verses and he wanted to start memorize chapters. So he started, he memorized Psalm 1 and then other chapters in the Bible. And he would quote them to me perfectly. But he still hadn't understood salvation. So he just kept coming. He was, it was interesting too, he was always on time. But he didn't have a watch, a watch or a phone. It amazed me because he was too poor to have those things. And... Uh, but, but then time went on, time went on, and finally on a Saturday, I thought, I think he's ready. I think he understands salvation now. And so we were coming back from the villages, and, and we were all hungry. I dropped off the village team, and, and I bought a baguette, a French baguette. You can buy it for about 25 cents on Ivory Coast. So I bought a baguette, and we went back to my house. We were sitting on the porch, and I split the baguette, and I told Oliver, you know, this baguette is like salvation. You didn't pay for the baguette, but you get to enjoy it. And that's how salvation is. Christ paid for our salvation. All we have to do is accept that free gift of salvation. And there was a light in Oliver's eye I hadn't seen before. And we went through questions. He, he answered correctly. And he prayed to receive Christ as a Savior that day. So he got saved. And, um, and then he had a zeal. He had a love for... He was a first-generation Christian. He comes from a Catholic family. He started to invite other teens to go on visitation with us. And so he started to bring more teens on village visitation. And, and also then one day he said, you know what, missionary? I want to memorize the whole book of Matthew, is what he said. The whole book of Matthew. And so sure enough, he memorized chapter 1, chapter 2. He would say on a Wednesday, can I quote to you Matthew chapter 3? And one, one time I stepped back and thought, what could be sweeter? Somebody who gets saved and then they jump in your car and want to, want to quote a whole chapter to you. So, um, and, and then it's interesting. Our villagers get saved, but they don't have anything. They don't have anything. They, they, they know, they, they, they're on Facebook, and they know the ones who have phones, and they know what we've left, what we've sacrificed to live in Africa. Because we have water outages and electricity outages and hard roads and things like that. But, of course, it's a joy. We would choose to do it again. Um, but they, it's amazing how they get saved, and they want to get back to you. And so Oliver came to my door one day, and he said, I've got a gift for you. And I thought, what could this gift be? <laughs> and it was a mongoose. He'd actually gotten a mongoose for me, and which is very, actually very useful because we have a lot of poisonous snakes in, in Ivory Coast. We have mambas and vipers and cobras. And, um, but I have German shepherds, so I couldn't keep the mongoose, but I was touched. Um, and then just before I left, I've been back, um, back, back on furlough for several months now. And the month before I left, I saw Oliver in the back of the church, and he was leading another team to the Lord. And so he also led someone. His name was Clovis, a team from the village, to the Lord. So um, that is because of your prayers, too. People like Oliver who've gotten saved. And he got a Bible. His Bible was the first book he ever owned. He holds his Bible like a trophy. And so pray for Oliver. I'm praying for him. The Lord has a special plan for his life. But, you know, because missions isn't just about us as missionaries. Really, it's about you, about your heart for people, your heart for souls. 
And um, thank you for encouraging me tonight. I really have just felt your kindness poured out, and I'm grateful to every one of you all. So now we'll go ahead and show the video, and that'll show a little bit more about the ministry. But feel free to come by afterwards and um, pick up a prayer card. Thank you. Access to the gospel. It is what we have today. Yet there are places where people are untouched by the word of God. How many are there? How many are unreached? Over one billion people worldwide have no opportunity to hear the gospel. No Bible, no church. Even if they wanted to, they couldn't hear. They are totally lost. Some live in villages in Ivory Coast. They fear water spirits. They worship the dead. They wait today as they have waited for centuries for someone to tell them about the one true God. Since 2017, the Access Ministry facilitates church planting through medical care. Access partners with independent Baptist national pastors and missionaries to provide unreached people groups with the gospel. Access goes where missionaries have not gone. It reaches people who are not really that much different than you or I, but who desperately, urgently need Christ. I guess what I love about medical missions is that it is like a magnet. You go with your team to a new location with your medical supplies and a heart to share Christ. You arrive and people come, dozens and dozens with medical needs, but what thrills your heart is that you know that they are going to hear about Christ. Each patient hears the gospel both through open air preaching and a one-on-one -on -one gospel presentation. And without an exception, people get saved. We have a real desire to see people restored and healed, both physically and spiritually. When people come to us, they are seeking health and hope because what they've tried before has not worked. We try to follow Christ's example by treating people with care and compassion. We know that it is God who heals. God uses us only as instruments to take care of the sick, pray, and share the gospel with our neighbors. We give teaching on healthy eating, and we pray that they will accept the bread of life. While explaining clean water consumption, our hearts long to see the day that our people will drink from the living water. As we treat infectious diseases, such as malaria and typhoid fever, it is our prayer that they will turn to the great physician for spiritual healing. Through the years, the Lord has blessed, and we've seen that medical missions is amazingly effective, specifically in reaching the animistic people groups that we have throughout Ivory Coast. All of this has been possible because of your prayers and giving. Words cannot express how thrilled I am to partner with you all. Thank you for praying and giving so sacrificially to reach souls with the gospel. We have a great need for church planters. We pray toward the day when churches will be started in cities and villages all across Ivory Coast. We also have a need for individuals who can act as French translators and those with medical training to join us on access teams.
Access goes across mountains and rivers to reach the unreached, to bandage their wounds and bring them to Christ. Many, many people still wait today. Someone must go to them. Robert Moffat said, I have seen at different times the smoke of a thousand villages, villages whose people are without Christ, without God, and without hope in the world. That's access. It's what Christ accomplished on the cross, not just for us, but for all people, in every place and in every tribe. Access to the gospel through medical care. Thank you so much for sharing. You said that you guys had seen over a thousand salvations in two and a half years. You know, there are people on that board right there, especially China, Red China Underground Church, that they won't see two people in two and a half years. Um, saved soul is a is a cherished thing. Um, it's amazing. God lets you let y'all see so many. So how long does it take to get to there from here? Two days, one stop in the air, three stops, so there's no direct flights. Yeah. So if a mission team came there, would it need to be a medical mission team or you have work people could do if they came? Yeah. You, you mentioned, you mentioned the flags. I mean, just for you, what the flags are is each flag represents a country that we have at least one missionary. So that's the purpose of being up there. And, you know, when you talk about Africa and India and those places, we get that. But I got, I got to be honest, when you say Ivory Coast, that don't really sound like it. That sounds like I'd like to go on vacation. Ivory Coast, doesn't that sound good? I mean, Ivory, that's got a round. I mean, Ivory and Coast just don't really mix with, with Africa and missions and all this there. But appreciate your heart. Appreciate, appreciate all that you do there. Um, I think what I'll do is remind she'll be at the table, has a table. If you guys got some questions, I really stop. Make sure you get one of her prayer cards. Uh, make sure you have it there to, to pray for. How long have you been in the States? Six months. And that started when? September. So you're in here for another six months or you're halfway through? You go back March. Oh, we caught you on the tail end. Just in time. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure. Appreciate you adding us to your stop, coming by and sharing the word. And let us see what the Lord's doing and, and let's see what missionaries are doing on, on our behalf. And we'll continue to pray for you and you continue to pray for us and excited about what God's doing. And, you know, it must be something about those vehicles because we just helped Glenn get a vehicle fixed in Costa Rica. And I just got a phone, Pastor Woody, about a vehicle broke down in the Philippines. And you go up there talking about your motor's gone and your vehicle over there. So, um, yeah, those, those good old roads, right? Well, let's pray. God, thank you so much. God, I thank you for the protection that you kept around Lord Christine and all, all of the missionaries god i just i thank you for your hand i thank you for your hedge i thank you for your mercy i thank you for using their life that well that they'd be a light in some dark places that, that this dark world could see a light shining and understand 
that there is hope, a hope that they've never heard, a hope that they've never seen, God. We, we sit here in the complacency and the casual Christianity of America, and we sit here in the comforts of our, our, our heated homes and air-conditioned stuff, and, and God, we do truly thank you for it. God, there are blessings, and I thank you for the blessings, but we sit here and we become very complacent, and we forget, Lord, that there's people dying and going to hell every day, Father. I pray you'd help us to be more adamant about your business right here in our Jerusalem, right here in LaGrange, Georgia. Help us, Father, to preach the gospel that people may see a light in this dark world. Help us to be all you'd have us to be. We love you, God. You've been good to us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,